filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So last week we talked a little bit about whether uh, DC United fans should be worried about their lack of activity as far as transfers coming and go. And I, I don't think we're at the point where we should be worried yet. Um, but I will say that one of the other local teams has been very busy. Uh, the Spirit signed three players in the last 24 hours, give or take. Um, I guess 30 hours, I guess, to be more accurate. Um, today they announced uh, signing uh, Kumi Yokoyama from the Japanese national team. Um, for our listeners, if you just enjoy watching insane goals, go um, go to the site Go check out our article about the signing. It has a video near the top of the page uh, that is the this goal that Yokoyama scored um, a, a couple of years ago um, in the Under-17 World Cup where she dribbles past like seven defenders. Um, at one point, it's like four defenders are within a foot of her and somehow she gets out of that. Um, uh, that's the kind of player they brought in. So I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I know we just lost... Um, our most noteworthy uh, little guy who dribbles uh, very well. And Yokoyama is very much in that same category, uh, a small person who can dribble uh, almost unreasonably well uh, and evade people. So if you want to have fun, that's probably going to be fun. It's going to be her and Rose Lavelle uh, doing stuff with the ball. It's going to be cool. The end one mixtape tour comes to... Segra Field and the Maryland Soccerplex and yeah. Audi Field. Um, yeah, I, I I put out a tweet earlier with like all of the players that are vying for the six midfield and forward roles that should be available uh, for the Spirit this year. And uh, I almost ran out of space in the tweet because it was just that many players that are all pretty good players that uh, might not, you know, might feel like they're starting caliber players and they're just there aren't enough spots, which is good. That's what you want. Um, and hopefully with DC United, we can be saying the same thing down the road, but first things first, they have to get to signing people. Minor detail. Just, that. you know, a small thing. Hey, Hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the black and red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from black We talk about DC United. Sometimes we talk about the spirit. The rest of this podcast will be, focused on DC United and major league soccer. We've got uh, a little bit of news, not a lot of news about DC United to talk about. And then we've got some broader MLS and um, American club soccer, American professional soccer uh, stuff to, to break down. And in the second segment, we will do cake or death. Our annual season reviews. We're down to the second to last edition of it for, for this long long off season so we're gonna have to find some other content <laughs> ideas here coming up pretty soon uh send your ideas to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com or tweet them at us um because we are Who's open playoff? before we do any of that though ben what are you drinking uh it remains christmas and i remain drinking eggnog did you spike the eggnog i mean yeah is it store-bought or, or homemade Storebot. I, I I don't have time to right now. I did not have time this week to buy uh, or to prepare my own eggnog. I have plans for. Uh, I've been looking up recipes for uh, clarified milk punch, which I heard on a podcast this week, and it sounds delicious. So I might do it, but and but it takes like forty eight hours to set. But that'll be another episode. This is storebought uh, eggnog. It's fine, you know. Okay. Did it's you not, grate some nutmeg on it? Remember, that's a cheat code. I did. I did. And that made it better. Uh, uh, at least in uh, Virginia grocery stores, Homestead Creamery makes the best uh, eggnog base for you to put bourbon in. Uh, it's in the glass bottles. It's great. Uh, but this wasn't that, unfortunately. This is just, <laughs> this is just Aldi eggnog. 
I, I haven't seen that glass one. The best one I found in my grocery stores uh, or the grocery stores in my neighborhood is Southern Comfort brand eggnog. Adam. Adam. It it Adam. doesn't have Southern Comfort in it, but I mean that's it's better than the Harris Teeter brand. It's better than whatever random dairy brand. Um, that's what I've that's been my experience. Jason, what are you drinking? Is uh, it an Oktoberfest? It's not. Um, it, is, is, it? it is a beer. It's not an Oktoberfest. Uh, I went out looking for ESBs, which our longtime listeners know I'm a huge fan of ESBs. Extra special Oktoberfests. Uh, no. You capitalize the B in Oktoberfest. <laughs> That's not an accurate uh, statement. <laughs> um, but uh, ESBs, I've complained on this show, are rare, and it, it seems they might be getting increasingly more rare. Uh, I could not got, find an ESB. hops. Um, it's very irritating to me that, that this is not a more common type of beer. Uh, so I had to settle for something else, and I grabbed uh, Great Lakes Brewing's Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. It's named after a ship one. that crashed and, and went down. Uh, I, I don't think it actually crashed. I think it just capsized in uh, in uh, heavy seas, if, if I'm not mistaken. It's a different brewing company uh, that I didn't mean to mention, but this is very good. It's got like a nice... Um, uh, toasted malt note right up front, like a really strong toasted uh, flavor that I, I'm I'm digging. It's funny you mentioned heavy seas because I was going to drink uh, loose can IPA on the show earlier. If we had recorded earlier in the week, it's Wednesday as we record, but um, circumstances got in the way of that, and I ran out of heavy seas. Um, so I am drinking a Moscow Mule. I got some of Trader Joe's gin, triple ginger drink. Um, which was a little bit sweeter than I was expecting it to be. It's, it's a ginger beer, but like they call it triple, like their ginger stuff that's out this year, they call triple ginger. So the, I, I not sure why, like if you said ginger drink. Yeah, that's what they called it. I don't know why they didn't call it ginger beer, but yeah. So, so is it, is it fizzy or is it flat? It is fizzy. Okay. Cause I was going to say like a ginger drink, it almost sounds like, uh, Ginger aid, like limeade. Uh, right. <laughs> it it actually has some coating in it. It's like purple drink, but oh, okay. with ginger. Um, I'm going to be real a, loopy tonight. That's an uh, impressive thing for Trader Joe's to just put on the <laughs> shelf like that. Um, no, I mean, it's it's carbonated. It comes in a very nice bottle, like almost a resealable growler type bottle. Um, with like the, the lever mechanism and everything. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's good. It, like the flavor is really good. It's just a little bit sweeter than I was expecting. So um, wasn't quite the the Moscow Mule I was looking for, but maybe I'll play with it a little more. Um, the brewery, Jason, in that's in the next neighborhood over uh, Red mm-hmm. Bear. They have an ESB that's part of their regular menu. So okay. coming to my neighborhood sometime and well, I also to go to the brewery because I, I bought you a bottle of uh, Pikesville Rye that I that's have to right. get to you somehow. So yeah, bring it by two birds. Also, I, we will get beers. I also agree that ESBs are great and more breweries should make ESBs. All right. That is the official policy of this podcast. Jason tweet that I'm already doing it. <laughs> Very important soccer related conversations here on filibuster. Um, an actual soccer conversation ben olsen will officially be returning as dc united's head coach in 2020 surprising absolutely nobody who's been paying any attention at all um it was pretty clear that that was going to be the case um it sounds like he's going to have to uh accept a an experienced assistant coach um I don't know whether that was a point of contention or not on his part, but uh, it sounds like that'll be in the cards. It's a move that DC United hasn't yet made, which is a theme this off season. Um, not a lot of moves other than retaining people like Olsen and Bill Hamid and Fred Briant have happened this off season. No, no new names coming in uh, probably in part, at least because of, the ongoing CBA negotiations. Nobody knows what the, the salary budget or DP or TAM rules will be uh, next year. So some teams are, are forging ahead regardless. DC United does not seem to be doing that for better or worse. 
So Ben Olsen back. Uh, ben, any thoughts on on that basically non-development? I mean, it was obviously expected. Uh, and uh, I'm of two minds. Obviously, I love Ben Olsen back, and I want him to continue to, to develop into the best coach in MLS, if that's in the cards. Uh, I've also been on the record on this podcast before where I'm also – okay with the team if they wanted to go in a different direction. So uh, I'm happy they made this choice. I Ben Olsen is a great person and I'm always glad to see him in charge of DC United, but they could have gone another way too. And I would have been okay with that as well. So He's under contract until the, after the 2021 season. Um, I think, there needs to be investment beyond, you know, it, it used to be that, that at least my, my perspective was that there weren't a lot of coaches that would be both willing to take the job of coaching DC United and able to do a better job than Ben Olsen in the late, late years at RFK. That was certainly the case because the team had no money to throw at coaches or players. It was, it was pretty bad. We, we remember some of those bad years. Um, now that they are at Audi Field and the level of investment in the team has gone up, it's also gone up around MLS and the level of investment in DC United has to keep going up as a result, uh, both on the field and on the sideline. And uh, I, I like giving Ben Olsen the opportunity to keep doing this, but it really only matters the decision at, at head coach if the right investments are made in players Um, because soccer is still a player's game uh, and, and coaching makes a big difference, but players make an even bigger difference than that. So you got to have the players. And um, I think Olsen is able to get the most out of a lot of different types of groups. And I'm happy to see him come back. Um, Like Ben said, like on a personal level, I human being level, I, I love me some Ben Olsen. And I like the reporting that he's still wants to improve his, uh, his, his coaching abilities. So that's another reason why I'm good with him coming back. Sorry, Jason. No, it's all right. Um, I think that it's not really a surprise though. I will say that I think there was a difference in tone this year. Um, after 2018, I think ownership was immediately like, yeah, we, we think this is, um, a no brainer, blah, blah, blah. And this year it was like, well, we're going to evaluate everything. Um, so, so they took a step towards a little uncertainty that wasn't there previously. Um, and I think it's justified because the roster was better in 2019 than it had ever been in the entire run of his tenure. Um, and the outcome was pretty much the same. Um, so that's a reasonable thing to say, like, let's evaluate this and figure out whether this is the the right move or not. Um, I think this is the first time that his seat is going to be a little warm to start the year. Um, And I I guess what I would say is more thinking about um, what we need to see next year um, as, as like a bare minimum for him to, to fulfill the full length of his contract would be more than 50 points, which is what they finished with this year, higher, a higher spot in the East, um, winning a home playoff game. Well, I was, you know, I was going to get there. I was going to say certainly better attacking play, not just from a statistical perspective, but, uh, there's a certain eye test that needs to be passed. That's sort of hard to define. Um, winning a playoff game, I think is probably crucial. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think however, however the playoffs go, it's gotta be, um, you know, the, the loss, you know, the loss, whenever it were to happen, it would have to be something like, obviously if he wins MLS cup, he's not going anywhere. Um, we're talking about minimums here. Um, if they were to get knocked out of the playoffs, it would have to be a little more than what we saw this year, which was kind of having the weather, not quite a storm though. I think national, the, the national perspective on that game is that, DC was under siege for 90 minutes and then scored their only shot on goal, which is not really what happened. Um, 
unfortunately my memory of that game is a little too clear. Um, and uh, so I remember the fact that at 90 minutes, they had actually won the expected goals duel. Not that it, it amounted to anything, but um, yeah, I, I think it has to be a little, little more fun to watch a little more cohesive. And I also think there's not, I, I would worry if I were Olsen about having like a slump at some point, like a five, six game winless run. Uh, I don't know that um, that he would come out of that still in charge. I think that, I think the leash is, is shorter than it's ever been um, or at least not, maybe not ever, but shorter than it's been since 2013 um, or 2014, I guess was when the, the pressure might've been on. Um, but yeah, I, I think the stuff about him going over to Benfica to, um, to learn from them, he's done this before um, with Lucien Favre at, uh, he was at Mönchengladbach at the time. Um, I think he improved a lot from, from that experience. I think this trip to Benfica will also be a pretty good one um, as far as learning things. And, and, you know, the team should staff up anyway. The uh, coaching staff has been one of the smallest in the league for some time now. Um, and when they've staffed up, they've usually done a good job finding people. I mean, uh, if we think of Josh Wolf and Pat Onstead being poached uh, by uh, Columbus, a team that you wouldn't think would be able to poach your coach uh, if you're DC United. Um, Enzo Conchina d- uh, did well while, while he was here. Nolan Sheldon has done well since he got promoted up. Um, so they've done well in identifying coaches to fill out the staff. It's just usually it's Olsen, Chad Ashton, goalkeeper coach. Uh, and then that's been kind of, that's been most of it. There's usually one other person. And I think adding more people to the mix is a, is a good idea. And it's also a necessary idea. We've talked about the need for this team to be staffed up across the board. Um, And so adding somebody else to the staff, I think is an important step and it's an, it's a necessary step. Other news. I, Again, not surprising, but but Lucho Acosta, we know, will not be back with DC United next year. We now know his very likely landing place. It is Atlas in Liga MX. Um, it basically, the the if I'm not mistaken, the other team in Guadalajara. Um, they uh, they were close to relegation, close to insolvency there for a little while, seem to be on firmer footing now. And from the very, very little bit I've, I've been able to glean from this, it sounds like they are getting him to be the guy for them next year. Um, or at least to, to have a very good chance at being the guy in the center of midfield for them. Um, not just a, someone to come in and compete for the spot. So it sounds like a better move for Lucho than, than going to, cutter or or something like that um and certainly better uh psychologically for for me than had he gone out somewhere else in major league soccer even though dc united would have potentially gotten something in exchange for for that um probably better that he's not an mls for for my well-being for for all of our well-being yeah, it's a hundred percent better that he it, it, that he's not going to be in MLS. Uh, the amount of money they would be able to get for him, trading him to, I don't know, San Jose, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps, Real Salt Lake, who knows? Uh, but it would not be anywhere near the near worth the amount of heartache it would cause the entire DC United fan base, and so. If DC United is not going to be able to get anything and we don't need to rehash the whole uh, PSG thing, but him going to Liga MX is, is far better than him getting than for my heart and for most of our hearts than him getting traded within MLS and DC United getting some funny money, but also getting the likelihood that they're going to have to play against him in 2020. Yeah, I mean, it it would be very difficult for the fan base to take, and also, um, I, you know, may, it would make following the team online miserable for the foreseeable future. Um, even if he didn't do that well playing for another team, um, it would be it would be extraordinarily difficult for this fan base to take. I think people are still 
pissed off that he's not going to be around. Um, so seeing him elsewhere in the league would have been, and especially the way it went where it's like, Oh, you're not coming back. Oh, you are going to stick around, but not here, just somewhere else in the league. Um, yeah, it would have been really tough. Um, though I'm sure there are people that have enough of ability to compartmentalize where they'd say, you know what, uh, just in a pure, you know, a pure cap based, uh, uh, perspective, getting a little bit of gam or whatever would be, would make it worthwhile. And I can, I can endure this. Otherwise for most of us, it's not just that it's not just, well, you know, when I play football manager and it's like, Oh, well, this makes economic sense for the team. I'm just going to do it. Um, that is not the nature of fandom in, in most cases. So, um, I'm interested to see how well he does at, at Atlas. That's a team that was really struggling financially for a while. It was kind of touch and go as to whether they were going to continue to exist. Um, and uh, they actually, they were also, they ran into some issues when Rafa Marquez uh, found himself in trouble with the U S government a few years ago. If people remember that episode. Um, so yeah, it, they've, they've had an interesting decade uh, Atlas there. Um, Guadalajara's less known team. Uh, Chivas is their big rival, but Chivas is like the Yankees and Atlas is more like the Baltimore Orioles. Um, it's not quite the same. You know, it's not Chivas versus Club America where it's the biggest teams in the country. This is the city rival that is also not a big deal. Um, so yeah, it should be cool. It will be cool that um, uh, for Lucha, for people that don't know, Atlas also wears black and red, so he won't mm-hmm. have to change too much of his uh, his clothing color scheme uh, off the field. So that w- that would be cool if that's how it's going. Um, I'll well, have to ask. He'll have to add some red to it. Yeah, it's a little more red. It's a little more fifty fifty. But uh, no, I, I'm I'm glad that I'll be able to throw on um, uh, a Liga MX game and and hopefully see him play. Uh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Um, I don't have to um, figure out some, well, realistically, I probably just wouldn't figure it out at a certain point. There's too much soccer. Um, and <gasps> if you're playing in like the middle East or Denmark or something, we've talked about how we don't want to be told, uh, to watch the Danish league. Um, and we're sticking to do that. Not tell I think. Us. Uh, we do not want to know. Uh, we don't even want to be told. So we, we don't even have to want to engage in the act of forgetting. Um, Ryan Kiefer, yeah. do not tell us. Uh, or everybody, everybody don't tell us um, ever <laughs> for for the rest of our lives. Do um, not make us tap the sign. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be cool. Uh, hopefully he does well. Um, I want to see him d- do his best. And I think it's a league where we could see the Lucho of the back half of 2018 reemerge. Um, it's certainly more freewheeling. Uh, he'll have... Uh, a little more freedom to do what he wants, which I think is when he starts to thrive. So um, that'll be fun, but it it will be a certain case of like if DC's replacement comes in, whoever that ends up being and isn't as fun or as effective, then um, we're probably going to have people watching Atlas every week and saying, look what Lucho did, look what Lucho did. And that will be tough. Uh, So hopefully the new, the new Lucho is, able to help us uh, get past this whole thing. Uh, But we'll find out in the coming weeks. Hopefully not. We'll find out this coming summer. Hopefully this is a winter transfer we're talking about, because otherwise this season is going to be rough. Yeah. Um, Looking ahead somewhat and, and zooming out a bit. uh, MLS has announced that Charlotte will have the, uh, I guess they will come in, before the league reaches 30 teams, they're the 30th team to be awarded a, a, a franchise, but they, they will be entering the league in 2021. They'll be, I guess, technically the 28th team. And then two more teams uh, already announced will enter the league in 2022, bringing the total to 30. Um, and, you know, I, I have thoughts about Charlotte. They had, they're an NFL ownership group. They do control the stadium there. Um, I, I was fonder of the the group in Raleigh, or at least of Raleigh-Durham as a, a market than I was of Charlotte. But I also uh, am not collecting $350 million or whatever the 
expansion fee they're paying is. So uh, I, the, the one thing I, I'm guess I'm latching onto right now is how very bad the various names that have been trademarked by Charlotte's ownership group are. They're just, they're bad guys. Um, they, they run from the bland of, of Charlotte FC to um, the, the local reference of an event that happened 300 miles away. Uh, Charlotte gliders, FC. Every one of them is an FC too, which is is bad. Which means you guys feel bad. free to, yeah, feel yeah. <laughs> FC alone all just, automatically. Like it could have been Charlotte Jason Anderson FC, and I would be like, wow, that name sucks. Um, and uh, that goes for any other FC name. They shouldn't be FCs. We shouldn't keep doing this to ourselves. Well, and, We're better. And, than this. And, and the rumored name is like it is a name that isn't really in the American parlance yet, but it is still so ridiculously bad that it should never be in the American parlance. Uh, Charlotte town FC is apparently the leading contender. And that is just absurd on so many levels that it it, it should be thrown out and and set on fire and should never ever happen. Is Charlotte a town? No. So, so I, I read something that indicated that apparently the designation of town does have a meaning in North Carolina in terms of I don't like give a crap. naming. I'm, I'm not saying apparently it doesn't like Charlotte doesn't fit that. Like it's Charlotte's too big. To Charlotte, even Charlotte is right. the 20, so. it's the 23rd <laughs> biggest metro area in the United States. It's not a freaking yeah. town. Um, yeah, the, it's, it's, no Luton, it's just another, is what you're saying. It, it's someone saying, okay, everyone's mad at all the MLS teams that used uh, a, a Britishism for their name, uh, but we w- really want to use a Britishism. We just have to use one that that isn't going to get us yelled at for being repetitive. Um, so let's just figure out what else. Let's, look, let's open up uh, Wikipedia and go to like League One's current standings and just read down the list until we find something new. Um, and Charlotte so Alexandra, so, uh, right? Um, yeah, and so it, it just—it's another one of these things where it's just not creative or interesting. And I, I feel like MLS has gotten much worse at that side of things. Like the league used to, in general, have some weirdness to it, and that was good. Um, and in general, in American soccer, we should not be afraid to be weird. The teams that have been weird have also managed, like how many people have forward Madison jerseys that have never been to Madison, Wisconsin? Um, Guess what? Forward Madison did a bunch of weird stuff and it panned out. They, they are trying to sell potatoes online now. Um, Las Vegas lights. Yeah. Las Vegas. Everyone's going crazy for Las Vegas lights. And it was like, wow, look at their weird jerseys. Uh, Look at their weird halftime promotions. They have a a donkey on the field. There's there's all kinds of stuff happening. I thought they were llamas. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what it was. They, They have a llama. They're throwing money out of helicopters. This is preposterous. Um, that's like, this should be kind of the idea. Um, and instead it's like, let's do something Charlotte as, town as like the pleated khakis of team names as possible. Um, and that's what we're going to call them. If they, if they are Charlotte town, we will the call them khakis. the pleated khakis. That's fair. Um, that, that has they, to be their they nickname. Want, they want their pleats to be the strongest pleats, uh, the most pleated uh, of khakis. I mean, this, pleats and, and the, cleats in North Carolina. And this doesn't even get to the fact that, again, it's a team that doesn't have a proven history of soccer. Like Raleigh Durham does at this point, and Charlotte doesn't. And unfortunately, the Charlotte USL teams have not done well. And so. Really not well. Like their reason. attendance is among the lowest in the USL, right? And they folded. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's even. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's just it's it's a double reason why you shouldn't choose Charlotte. It's uh, the uh, MLS has done okay with uh, picking cities that uh, haven't had teams before that do better than expected. Uh, Atlanta has done gangbusters, obviously, but then there's Cities like uh, New York City FC, which going into year 
seven or eight, and they still don't have any pathway towards any sort of stadium. They're going to play in two different baseball stadiums next year. And it's, it's That's just a hundred percent more baseball stadiums, Ben. They might actually play in three baseball stadiums because I, I think their U.S. Open Cup games, at least in the early uh, rounds, are going to be in the Coney Island baseball stadium. So it might be hundreds of percents more of baseball stadiums. But regardless, it's like for a while, MLS was doing the good job of choosing soccer markets that had proven themselves to be like, oh, we can see why you might be a good soccer market. And now they're just taking. million checks whenever they can find them. Well, when you're talking about $100 million, you can go slow and steady and wait for the right one. But if someone's writing a check for $350 million, um, you, you probably, that's probably burning a hole in your pocket pretty quick. I don't know. It's weird. Um, I I'm hoping Charlotte proves us wrong the way Atlanta did, but, um, Do do you know what else is weird? Uh, accepting $325 million expansion fees, but then also telling everyone that the league doesn't make any money and that you can't really give the players raises or anything when the bargaining agreement comes around. Right. That's definitely a monocle emoji kind of moment. Especially when you're going into a CBA negotiation. You should be able to then say, okay, look, obviously we're making some money. Um. Well, and what was funny is the last time, like, you could tell like in the CBA negotiation last time around, the players really wanted free agency. That was the, the, the number one thing they wanted and they gave up some uh, potential salary to get that, to get the, to be the right. first American major league to get free agency without having to go to court to win it. They got it through mm-hmm. collective bargaining and the league had money, I guess that they had planned to have to commit to players in as part of the CBA. And they said, well, we can't use that. We have this consultant group saying we need more uh, top line players who aren't really quite to DP level. Let's throw the money at them instead. And that's how Tam was born. Um, Almost immediately after the last CBA, the league starts throwing extra money into it because they had it. They pled poverty and then they suddenly found all this money to pay to not the rank and file. Um, Yeah, that's got to change. Uh, hopefully we can get a CBA done before the end of January when it ends and, uh, we don't see a work stoppage, but at this point, who knows, uh, Ben had mentioned the U S open cup, uh, briefly there, the format for the open cup has been announced this year and in a good move, more MLS teams will enter earlier in the competition than they have in recent years. Uh, a, a, the first chunk will enter in the third round and then the, the second chunk will enter in the fourth. Um, this is good. There'd be many, many more, uh, lower level versus MLS potential giant killing, uh, matchups in this. Uh, it's not everything that, that potential reformers wanted. There's no guarantee that MLS teams have to go on the road to, to the lower level teams, which a lot of people want to see. They are keeping the geographic clusters that mean that DC United will play Richmond and, or Philadelphia and, or new England every single year in the open cup. Um, but it, it is some steps in the right direction, Jason. Well, yeah. Um, you know, for the for the most part, I think they have run into a problem with uh, there. There's a milkshake duck. Yeah, there, 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 there are, are several, problems. Yeah, um, several teams in USL League Two and the NPSL yes. are not going to be involved. Um, uh, Reading United, I think, lead is leading the charge. Um, and Red, Reading, this is Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, they've over the years done a really good job in the Open Cup. They usually get fairly far in they've taken down a couple teams at the usl championship level um they've given mls teams a hard time um and and the the reason these teams are are objecting to the new format is the timing uh the 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 first round was moved up into march um which is like two and a half months earlier than it had been right um and and a lot of these teams rely on college players who are not available Uh, during the school year Right. So, so the way that those teams operate, um, 
they're allowed to call on college players. Um, the contracts are set up in a way that the NCAA allows it to happen. Um, but those players are not free to join those teams until May 1st. Um, and since the open couple have already gone several rounds, um, those teams, a lot of those teams are, you know, we're talking about like half or more of their roster. It's not a couple of players. It's like the bulk of their team, oftentimes their best players. Um, so it's a big deal, uh, for them. It does pretty much make it impossible for them to do, uh, to compete at their normal level and to assemble a team that, that would be ready to go, uh, for the open cup. Um, I will say, and I saw it pointed out a few times on Twitter, uh, right when they began their, um, their public statement about it, um, at Reading and then other teams that, uh, these are teams that were benefiting from unpaid labor. Um, so I'm not like on one hand, I do think the open cup will be, uh, poorer for their absence. On the other hand, if they can't, uh, you know, if, if there's not a way for them to find out how to, to put some money in their players pockets. Um, and I know we're talking about the semi-professional level with the USL league two and NPSL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily thinking that, um, it's all that entirely unjust. Um, because I do think that, you know, if you're playing, I mean, the college, college soccer should, they should be paying those guys too. So, um, I'm pretty firmly on the pay the athletes side of this. Um, but yeah, it will suck nonetheless to see teams like, um, well, they're now the Flint city bucks. They used to be the Michigan bucks. They play pretty notoriously. They play in an indoor stadium. Um, uh, they won't, they're not going to be participating. Uh, Reading is a perennial, uh, upset contender, contender to pull a big upset. So it's not great um, to see teams like that stepping aside. Um, hopefully the silver lining is that maybe we'll see a few spots. Um, I know those leagues are probably not going to give up those spots, but at a certain point um, the open cup might have to, you know, shake things up as far as letting in a few more amateur teams. Um, if, if that continues to be the case, um, I don't think they're going to change the format for this year, but um, for next year, they might just hand out fewer spots to that level and go with a few more amateur teams, which I think everyone likes to see the amateur teams do well. It's kind of a big deal. So, um, you know, it's a, it's definitely a mixed bag as far as that end of the tournament goes. Um, I am glad my main sticking point was that they had to start staggering when the fully professional teams came in. You couldn't just dump all the MLS teams in one round when there's only like 11 other teams left that sucked. I think everyone hated that last year. Um, so this year, and I was actually, I've got a note sitting on my desk, um, which means it's on the other floor of the house. I'm not going to go get it, um, to, to tell you about it, but I was going to write an article that was a proposal of how to fix the open cup. And part of it was going to be, you have to let in, uh, 12, the, the top 12, and then the the bottom 11 American teams have to come in in different rounds. Um, so I'm glad that they did that. Um, it will be more fun from that perspective. Um, you know, seeing a bunch of USL teams playing MLS teams. I, I hope that there's a provision in place so that when they put the first set of MLS teams in, that none of them can be drawn against each other. Um and then in the second round, you try and minimize, you get it as low as possible um, because no one really wants to see DC and Philadelphia play straight away in the first open cup match. You want to see something else. You want to see something new, um, be it, you know, the Pittsburgh River Hounds or the Richmond Kickers. We haven't played the Kickers in quite a while, actually. Um, uh, a few other, there are a few other options that would be more intriguing, I think, than just, well, it's, it's DC and Philly again. And, and, you know, not just that one either. Like if you ask Kansas city and Minnesota fans, how tired they are of having to play each other immediately upon entering the open cup, that's been going on for like seven or eight years now. Um, and so, so on and so forth. So, um, hopefully it's the start of improvement, but it's obviously it's not, the job isn't done. I would say, uh, as far as getting the open cup completely right. Another event that that MLS has has well MLS didn't tweet the US Open Cup that was US soccer 
MLS though is tweaking the super draft. It no longer will be an in-person thing uh, as it has been. It's been a part of the annual coaches convention um, and just traveling around the country to whichever convention center that happens to be at. And uh, they took up a ballroom and it was, it was great fun. Uh, It was fun to cover. It was fun to travel to. I've went to it in Baltimore a couple of times um, and we've talked about it on the show. But the the draft itself has lost some luster and some importance, frankly, as far as roster building as academies and international acquisitions grow in their importance. Bringing players in from college uh, just doesn't generally provide the same bang. Um, most of the guys are going to be going to USL affiliates uh, from the draft, so it, it didn't make as much sense to hype it up as a thing. Nevertheless, MLS is retaining the name super draft for, for this, but it will be a conference call that is streamed on Twitter with video produced by ESPN. Uh, I guess they'll have cameras in the various war rooms and uh, with some of the highly rated prospects who might go straight into MLS. Um, it won't be in person, but it will be available for streaming, which is which is good. Um, it is something to do, which is important, Ben, as you pointed out, because this offseason just keeps going. Yeah, it's I agree with everything that they've talked about, how the super draft is not super relevant anymore, but especially or this super se- in super anything. Right. Uh, especially this season, uh, because of the schedule changes, the off season is going on forever. Uh, the season ended uh, about a month earlier than it had in the previous couple of years. And that's just for MLS Cup. For the vast majority of teams, the season had ended even earlier. And so having something in early January, anything in early January, that's uh, a, a, a big deal or something to, to get interested in is something that keeps the, the hardcore fans uh, interested and keeps them uh, looking at the league. And now that there isn't that as much anymore, it just elongates the time frame in between the end of the season and the beginning of the next season. Cause it's starting what a week earlier next year, but the season Not ended just a couple days. Yeah. And the season ended over a month or about a month to over a month earlier this year. So it's going to be like what it's going to be a four a full four month off season this year. And that's just like, whew, I don't know if I can, I, I might not be able to make it guys. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's rough for us uh, trying to have things to talk about. Um, and if you're listening about. to this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably rough for you too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's rough for fans because you care about your team. And yet for one third of the year, you don't have any games to watch. Um, it, it actually makes the weird Bermuda friendly uh, something of note because at least it gave us something to do. Um, yeah. I mean, Moving the, moving the schedule the way they did, I think it made some sense because the the previous schedule, like extending the playoffs all the way out into December, you ran into those international windows in a worse way. Um, it was a Jurgen Klinsmann insistence, uh, which meant it was probably a bad idea um, that they play well into December. Um, but the downside of t- going back towards what used to be the norm is that uh, the offseason is long. Um, it's not great for developing young players to have four months off instead of, you know, six weeks, um, as, as is the case elsewhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great. Um, and you know, the draft itself, it used to be kind of, a a even, even, even last year, um, there was a question asked, uh, at the draft of Don Garber, um, as to whether the super drafts reduced importance was going to lead to something like this. And at the time he said, the super draft is here to stay. Um, everyone appreciates it as a big event. It gets all of our coaches and GMs in one place. Uh, so it makes it easier for them to do business. Um, apparently he said that the TV networks and sponsors preferred to have a draft, um, which meant that MLS preferred to have a draft because they want those people to be happy. Um, so the change, I mean, on one hand, it is 
a deal that they're doing with ESPN and Twitter to um, have the streaming platform available um, and all that. But at the same time, um, yeah, it is kind of, it kind of emphasizes the lack of stuff going on around the league. Um, You really, we're starting to feel it now and we're or a full month away from when the draft would have been. Um, we're recording this on on Wednesday, December eighteenth, and so we're we're like one month minus one day from when the MLS draft would have been at the convention. Um, the convention in Baltimore it would have been nice uh, to have it nearby. I think a lot of people would have shown up, but instead, you can't show up. You can't actually be there. I guess you could go stand outside the stadium. Um, where uh, I assume DC United will have a draft room set up, which, uh, you know, the, the whole deal with this said that they would have uh, video from each team's draft room. Uh, the downside, though, is that this year DC didn't have any uh, – DC's earliest draft pick is, I think, number 42, uh, which is late in the second round. Um, and then after that, it's uh, very late picks after that, for very, very, you know, far in the, far in the future. Um, so, yeah – it wouldn't have been that much fun to be, it would have been kind of the ironic fun uh, that you get at the convention when you show up and stand around for four hours and then have your team make one pick. Or as we found in 2018, maybe DC trades their only pick of the day before the draft even begins. And so maybe you're like me or Steven Streff and you hang out in the draft hall with nothing to do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird, like I understand the league reducing the importance of it because most of these players are it's kind of like baseball's draft. A lot of players end up in the minors at first for at least a few years. And that's kind of where MLS is going. You know, DC's picks are most likely going to suit up for Loudon. Um, if I mean, granted they might trade up into the first round for some reason, but most likely anyone they take this season is a player that you're going to have to go out to Segra field to watch play. I think that's it. I I don't have anything more to add on the super draft or any other topics. So we are going to take a break and come back with a lightning round cake or death, because that segment got longer than I expected it to be. So uh, stick around just a little while longer. This is filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you called the ehrlich law office because you have rights That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster so just as a prelude adam was the one who said that we needed to do this very quickly because he is very sleepy but he's about to immediately derail us so adam take it away Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, quick correction to issue for the first segment. I mistakenly referred to the mixer in my beverage as Trader Joe's ginger drink, which was incorrect. It is ginger brew is what they call it, which is which is a little clearer, but I would prefer ginger drink at this point now. How do you feel about ginger drink? much worse uh, i drink it <laughs> none of that is surprising uh time to get to cake or death we will take these pretty quickly i don't think there's there's a ton of controversy in here um a couple names we'll dig into but first name up paul Ariola, american national team winger 
slash jack of all trades played no fewer than I think four positions, possibly 13 uh, for DC United last year. Jason cake or death for Paul Ariola. This one's an easy goat for me. Um, Yeah. I, I, I want to see more goals and assists. Uh, The the final product might need to be a little better, but um, as far as being a force multiplier for the team, he's been great. Uh, great guy off the field took up more of a leadership role as this season went on, which I think was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I have a hard time coming up with a uh, harsh criticism at all. It, it is an easy one. Yeah. A majestic goat for Paul Ariola. He was really great. He, uh, probably deserves to be in consideration for captain going into next season. Um, and he's a wonderful player, and I hope they don't have to sell him in this offseason. Uh, so, yeah, a majestic, long-haired goat. Uh, I agree in all but nomenclature. Uh, you got to bring him back. Uh, easy cake for, for Paul Ariola. Um, keep him in attacking positions, though. Just Yes. We, yes. We, we will put that up. There. Sign fullbacks uh, to do fullback things and make your fullbacks not be injured. That's the trick, isn't it? That last part. Uh, So we're unanimous, at least in concept, on Paul Ariola. Next up, Antonio Bustamante, first-year player. We know he will not be back with DC United. Um, Played for for Loudoun. uh, Also played for DC United in that Bermuda friendly before he was um, waived. And in the Open Cup. And he played in the Open Cup. So uh, he did get some first-team minutes there. outside of league play, but mostly played for, uh, for, for Loudoun United. And I probably would have given him cake here, but we know he's, he's not coming Adam, back. Adam, you still can. This is our segment. We can do whatever. That's true. So I'll give him cake. I'll give him cake because he, he showed some promise, uh, there at Loudoun, but, uh, we do know he's not coming back. Ben, what do you say? I'd give him go too. I mean, it's it's hard because we don't know what is in Antonio Bustamante's heart, and if he wanted to go uh, to a different team, then then you let him go. Um, but it seemed like he would have been a great candidate to come back to uh, Loud United, anchor that team, and hopefully start challenging for uh, a spot on DC United because throughout parts of this past season, they needed a player like him in certain positions. They could have used him and they chose not to in, uh, uh, in, in the midfield. So I would have liked to have him back, but like, like we've said, he's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think I'm, I'm going to go with you guys on this one. Um, I think there's a really skillful player uh, we're, or we're talking about a really skillful player um, routinely uh, was completing 90 plus percent of his passes in USL games. And we're talking about USL games where he's surrounded by a lot of inexperienced players, um, guys that aren't even his age, you know, teenagers, academy players, um, you know, I had some issues that the defensive, the number of defensive actions he was able to, to complete were a little low for a guy that's in a central midfield role that isn't higher up the field. Um, but at the same time, I thought he was a really good hub for what Loudon was doing. Um, and it seemed like he's the right kind of character as well. Um, so yeah, you know, hopefully he's, he's able to, pursue this is more of an active thing where he's saying i want to pursue the, a different step um that would be great um if this is a situation where dc was like we're cutting ties with you um then i think that that would be a mistake but if it's more of a okay we're going to let you go so you can um find a different professional path than the one available here that you know it's not ideal for everyone but you know hopefully it's the best for him at least um so yeah, I would have, I would have gone goat. Uh, hopefully it works out wherever he ends up. Next up, Moses Nyman, who will be back. He's, uh, another homegrown player, teenager, uh, spending the winter training with the U19s at 
Borussia Dortmund, you know, just a little club in one of the biggest leagues in the world. Um, and, and training up a level. He's what just turned 16. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And he's training with the U 19s in Dortmund. So, uh, not a bad step for, for Moses who had some absolute moments of brilliance for, for Loudon United this year. Um, the next step is doing it on the regular uh, and and dominating that league and forcing his way into the first team. And and I'm not sure I can make an argument that he definitely won't do it. Um, really exciting kid. I'm excited to see him. Um, this was another one where where Ryan Kiefer wrote the cake or death piece and he phrased it as, would you rather see him in uh, Loudon or, or with the first team next year? And, um, because I, I think it'll be easy cake all the way around. So, Jason, where do you want to see him next year? Uh, I would say he should still be with Loudon. Um, I think there's still plenty of growth uh, uh, available for him at that level. Um, you know, dealing at, every, as everyone that's seen him play, he's not going to be a big player. He's not. We're not going to see Moses Nyaman become a six foot tall central midfielder. Um, down the road. Uh, he's going to be a small guy, so he's going to have to learn how to deal with that because MLS is going to still be physical. Um, that element is going to be waiting for him when he gets there. Um, but the good news is that I'm saying when he gets there, because he really has the talent. Um, uh, he's really, really smart. His first touch is is so- very impressive. Um, he's really tidy. He's one of these guys that um, if you want to play possession soccer, you need players like this. So um, he's one that hopefully as like a 17 year old is starting to push for real minutes. Um, and hopefully in, you know, in 2020, hopefully we're seeing him, um, from time to time, you know, if, if their midfield is short, hopefully we're seeing him play well enough where the team says, you know what, let's, let's just bring him in. If, if we've got to fill out the 18 and we're short a midfielder for suspension, uh, let's bring Moses up rather than being like, well, let's just you know, try and, you know, like Leo Hara playing central midfield this year, things like that. Um, I'd rather see Nyman get, get that trip in the 18 when the occasion comes. So yeah, I think um, he'll develop with Loudon uh, and I, hopefully he's able to play often for them uh, this year. And, and then hopefully at, by the end of the year, we should be saying, Hey, you know, Nyman could be knocking on, a spot in the regular 18 next year. Um, that would be the ideal for me. Yeah. I, w- I want to see him in Loudon mostly because I want to see the team uh, sign enough attacking players that he would be le- if he made the 18 at all, he would be languishing on the end of the bench and it's more important for him to get uh, minutes with Loudon. Like he's an undeniable talent for sure, but DC United, the MLS team needs to make one to two to three attacking signings that would that would need to keep him towards the end of the bench. And so, uh, obvious goat for me, but uh, I want to see him primarily with Loudon next year because DC United needs to make those big signings. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. I want to see him start the year at Loudon because DC United has been so ambitious in in the offseason that there's just not room for him in the first team. Um and then he plays lights out and because he's played I think fewer than a thousand professional minutes at this point. Yeah. And that that's what Loudon's for is to blood those players and get them enough minutes that they're ready to step up as Jason said. Uh next name on the list, Donovan Pines. The, the big, big center back and uh, Marilyn Terrapin, uh, who stepped in and, and did a great job, got his first goal as a rookie um, and and helped steady the ship a little bit during a, a rough patch early in the year. Uh, um, eventually lost the starting spot, but um, definitely shows some promise and and someone that I, for one, would, would love to see stick around. Um, Ben, what are your thoughts on Donovan Pines? Cake or death? Yeah, obviously goat. Uh, and I hope he is taking a starting spot by midseason, kind of like how 
Stephen Birnbaum did originally uh, in his first season with DC United. Uh, he uh, took the starting spot from Jeff Park by midseason. I mean, um, a lot Hopefully of there's not an injury that right. facilitates yeah. that transition this time. Right. Right. I, like I was, I, I was about to say, I hope it's not due to injury like it was with Jeff Park, but um, I could see that being the progression. And if it, if Donovan Pines does beat out Frederick Briant more likely than Stephen Birnbaum, it'll be because of talent. So that's what I want to see going forward this year. I mean, yeah, for me, this one's easy. Um, of course, you want to keep Donovan Pines around. And, and um, you know, I, I'm in line with Ben. I want to see him. Um, wh- hopefully, what, what we see this year is that Frederick Briant plays just as well as he did in 2019. And that Donovan Pines takes such a step forward in his progression that he ends up winning the spot anyway. Um, because I think uh, if DC is going to be a better team going forward, they're going to need to be able to play higher up the field, which means they need faster defenders in case they get countered on. Um, That's just the nature of the beast. If you want to step out of a bunker um, and and push your lines higher, you need speed at the back. Um, And we know Pines is extremely fast along with being extremely tall. Um, So yeah, for me, a goat that is extremely fast and extremely tall. Uh, last name on the list for tonight's show, Junior Moreno, defensive midfielder. Um, like the rest of the the players on the team this year, wasn't quite at his 2018 level, but but I would say still a very important player in the midfield. Jason, cake or death for the uh, Venezuelan? I mean, this one's another pretty easy one. Um, it's GOAT. Uh, Moreno is a pretty good player. Um, he's maybe not ever going to be an MLS best 11 defensive midfielder, um, but he's very tidy. Uh, he gets a lot, he gets a lot more right than he gets wrong. Um, he's very well balanced. There's a, there's a lot to like in his game. He doesn't have any real glaring weak spots outside of maybe not being like gigantic and, and like physically overpowering, but you don't necessarily need to be that guy. Um, I think my, my concern is more the, the, the balance in, in that area. It's not so much with him. It's that um, he and Felipe don't necessarily strike me as, as compatible as a pairing. Um, I really think it should be him or Felipe pairing with Russell Knauss. Um, But that's not a comment on whether Moreno should stay or go. Um, And I think, you know, economically speaking uh, cap wise, um, if you had to pick him or Felipe, you would pick Junior Moreno. Um, Felipe is going to be coming in at almost, um, well, based on the old CBA terms, it would be almost a, uh, uh, maximum contract without going to designate player money, which, uh, is, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to take. I think, um, regardless of the fact that Felipe played fairly well, not great, but fairly well. Um, but you know, for Moreno, good all around player good guy in the locker room started to make public appearances. Um, Adam, you and I saw him at the Cooligans uh, event mm-hmm. where he, he took questions. in. I think he answered a couple questions in English. He took yeah. questions in English and then answered in Spanish most of the time, but that's still a big step. And, and I think um, we also saw, uh, I think um, there was a report from Venezuela saying that he has a, an appointment appointment pertaining to his green card coming up sometime this winter. So um, that's another possibility that's kind of a big deal for dc yeah. getting a, a free international spot there so um yeah this one's pretty easy though it's it's goat i agree um i mean he's a venezuelan international um he he's performed well against Lionel messi in in that role and he's he's done pretty well when he first arrived in dc in 2018 he was prone to one catastrophic mistake that would usually lead to a goal each game and he cut that out uh, over the course of 2018 and it didn't really come back. That wasn't the problem in, in 2019, which, which is good. You don't want to see that kind of relapse. Um, I expect him to improve um, this coming year as I expect everyone to just kind of go back to their normal, somewhat higher level. But um, yeah, it's, it's gotta be cake for me. 
he's a great player. They need to bring him back. And yeah. Well said. That's it tonight. We are done. I am sleepy. Uh, even if Ben wants to give me crap for wanting to correct the record when I make a mistake. Um, thank you all for, for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. You can also uh, drop some pr- virtual money, digital money in the, the tip jar at Pinecast. Uh, you can send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter, filibuster dcu for the podcast at black and red U for the the website uh download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts uh mostly though just tell a friend about the show the word of mouth is the best way to uh to literally spread the word so we appreciate it when you you talk us up to your friends for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason bsbs We are pro ESBs. Very pro.